Welcome. Welcome to Monsters, a true crime podcast. I'm Steph. I'm Rye, and this is another episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening this far. This is episode number nine. Number nine. And today's episode is Chicago Ripper Crew. Yes, it's a Chicago Ripper Ripper Crew. If this is your first episode with us, let me just give you a hint on the dynamic. Steph knows everything true crime and I know nothing. That's where we're starting from. Yes. So you're going to be in for a shocker for today's episode. Let's get to it. I hope you all enjoy. <clears throat> Leave a uh, review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Well, you can review on Spotify. You can try to, and I would appreciate <laughs> it. Put it that way. You can review us on Podchasers, and you can review us on Apple Podcasts if you so wish. We really do appreciate it. It really helps out a small pod. Yep. A small mom and pop pod <laughs> <laughs> like ours, and... I think that's all the announcements that we have for this week. Anyways, that's it. let's dig into this. Let's dig into the sode. Okay. So as we have been saying, we're going to be talking about the Chicago Ripper crew, but they can also be known as the Chicago Rippers or just the Ripper crew. And they are the Chicago Ripper crew. They're called that because of their crimes. They were compared to that of Jack the Ripper, mm. who you've heard Famous of. Famous case. Yes. That I know nothing about. <laughs> but you've heard the name Jack the I Ripper. Have. Yes, I have. And I'm sure we'll get to that one day. He terrorized London in the 1800s, and he murdered sex workers so severely, he mutilated their bodies. This is Jack the Ripper. Yes, this is Jack the Ripper, and this is why they're compared. Okay. Like, the both of them. They mutilated their bodies to where some of the girls were not recognizable. And that's a big clue of what we're going to be talking about this fine Saturday evening. Some more rape. Buckle up. Yeah, because our rape and mutilation episodes do very well. So that's what we're going to be giving you guys. If I didn't... uh, Listener (laughs) discretion advised. I don't have to say it every time. Yes. If you're here, you know. All of our episodes are explicit. Yeah. I'm sure you like that. Our story is going to begin in beautiful Chicago. Illinois. <laughs> Have you ever been? No. Me neither. I want to go. I hear there's a lot of good food over there. I heard it's windy. The windy city. Yeah, you're right. Is it really windy? Anybody listening in Chicago? But in Chicago, there were a bunch of mutilated bodies of women are being found. And this is going to begin from May 21st, 1981 to October 8th. And also, like, with any of these older cases, a lot of the dates vary. So, take this with a grain of salt. But it was in between May and October. And um, this killing spree ended in 1982. So, it was pretty short. And all of this was due to the handiwork of four nasty killers named Robin Gett, Edward Spritzer, and I... I might call him just Spritzer or Ed for short for the rest of the episode. So just so you don't get confused. And brothers Andrew and Thomas Cocorales. Robin, Ed, Andrew, and Thomas. Yes. The four in the crew. The ugliest. They're they're so ugly. They're not good looking gentlemen. They look like, and I refer 
two nasty people like infected toenails or infected toes i've heard you say that because i fucking hate feet you know this and like yep. they are disgusting and you will see them when i post them on my instagram and obviously okay people will see this but i'm excited to see how ugly these dudes are <laughs> i guess they are um, an abomination they're human garbage they are not that goes without saying worth living anyways disgusting they are going to be responsible for the abduction of 18 women and they murdered at least seven to eight also the numbers are hazy here which i find hard to believe because you would think there were public records like stating everything that they've said but all the stories say like different numbers and everything but they murdered at least seven to eight that we know of when all of this started robin was 30 years old so very young like our age which is also hard to comprehend ed was 20 years old andrew was 17 and thomas was around 21 or 22 so babies so there's a 17 year old in the group not even an adult yeah that's rough mm -hmm. so, it was the 30 year old like the leader yes yeah he just, was. just because he was the elder they were all like we've been saying they were all super young and robin being the oldest naturally he became the ringleader mm. of our favorite topic not really he was this Rape. was an actual satanic cult oh <laughs> yes he started a satanic cult and yeah. these people were his recruits goes hand in hand it was also in the 80s so the satanic panic and everything the same thing with richard ramirez i will continue to quote ozzy osbourne was Ozzy Osbourne a Satanist? Well, a, a lot of people thought he was, and he was. Uh, I think he was just being edgy. He's regarded and cool. as like the founder of black metal. Then. Oh. We've listened to black metal's not really that metally. Fight me, but anyways. <laughs> now, you might be thinking that these people are messed up, and like in other cases that. I'm not speaking to you directly, but like if you're a true crimer, a lot of these people have events in their past that like lead them to be like sicko killers in the future. And you'll see here that that's not really the case. There's not really a grand event that you could pinpoint and be like, oh, yeah, that dresser fell on his head and like crushed him and he needed 200 stitches or whatever. And like that's why he's fucked up. So how did they get into practicing satanic rituals? You might wonder. We need to explore a little bit of their background so we're going to start with thomas and andrew the brothers um, they grew up in a large family and were raised in a strict orthodox church and like in the case of the night stalker um, a psychologist in in that case and i don't know if i mentioned it in the last episode but he was trying to explain why people that get into sat satanic cults why they do it and he was giving an explanation that you go to the extreme and the opposite direction of what they currently practice for example religion wise the church or god are clearly failing them at this period of time so they're looking for the opposite and like try that instead to see if it's gonna help them somehow it's a very extremist attitude yeah so that was an interesting like theory of why people might turn to satanism or i don't know just so people the, must have felt very betrayed by their own church or by God yeah. or just their own circumstances not being good. Yeah. So also Robin, um, he was 
partly religious. He was married to a woman. Her name was Rosemary. They had three kids that went to Catholic school. So you're sending your kids to Catholic school like you're partly religious, you know. And they lived a relatively quiet and simple life. She does report in some of the reports that he cut off her nipple because he was angry one day. He was like, at a fit of rage, he's like, got a knife and like cut off her nipple fucking extreme yes and she would confide in her like workers like um where she worked she She would like tell them all these crazy stories and not only that robin and we know now that he's a piece of shit he would disappear almost all of the nights it would be rare that he would be home but in the times that he would be home he would bring his girlfriends home because he was an active cheater. <laughs> Solid. I would cut off your penis and I would cut off her fucking eyeballs. Out. This guy's character is top notch. <laughs> yeah. Continue. So this is also like beyond my comprehension of how this woman was just like put up with that. And she was okay with like Robin bringing women home and him being gone every night and everything. Mormons. They were They went to Catholic school. Okay. Has anyone else noticed that they're really pushing the Mormon lifestyle like on TV and stuff, which is totally cool, but it's like everywhere. Oh, isn't that on like TLC or there's like it's a show? It's on TLC. We're watching this crazy show called, I think like Seeking a Third Wife or something. <laughs> it's insane. And then we've been seeing it on 90 Day Fiance with um, the girl that's trying to find a girlfriend with Tarek, the guy. Just when, you ha- just when you're having fun with one wife, get another one. Yeah, why have one when you can have two? But this should also <sighs> be reversed for women, because why have one husband when you can have two, right? No. <laughs> joking. But we shall move on. Now, the rest of these guys, as far as we know, also had um, relatively happy lives. There's not really much known about um, Edward. But I will keep talking about Robin. Robin was working as an electrical contractor he was making pretty good money and i have a crazy theory about him what's that before this uh robin and it's funny because on my notes i put john but robin (laughs) he had worked as a subcontractor for the one and only john wayne gacy Mm. pogo the clown he's a big fat guy isn't he yes that's the only thing i know about him (laughs) oh I don't want to reveal details. All these cases we have to get to. John Wayne Gacy is... Oh, he's so gross. They're also girls, but they're all like different levels of disgusting. You know what's funny is... A vile. The little bit of information that I have on any of these files is that uh, it's usually coming from like a South Park episode where there's <laughs> there's a serial killer like in the they episode. They had John Wayne Gacy on yeah, South Park. Yeah, w- w- among others in one episode. Did he molest little boys? Uh, they came back from hell and like the devil came with them and oh. I don't exactly remember. I mean, this, this episode is probably 15 years old. Oh, okay. Well. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're giving me more refined information on these people instead of just South Park I just find it crazy to believe that any of these stories are real and that, that they happen to people. <laughs> no, we're on episode, what, nine? Yes. This is, I mean, it's, it's been a ride so far. I'm excited for episode 10. Yeah, but anyways, let me talk about Pogo the Clown. Let's talk about, let's talk about him. For everyone else other than Ryan, (laughs) Pogo the Clown, if you were a subcontractor for him, it was bad news. 
like shitty shit happened to happen to you, especially if you were a young, good-looking male. <laughs> Which I'm not saying that uh, freaking Robin Gett was, but he was a freaking subcontractor for John G Wayne Gacy. And I have a strong suspicion, a burning suspicion, that Robin witnessed more than your typical subcontractor. And he probably got fucked up in the head from, like, these events that once Gacy went down, they arrested him and everything. Robin took, like, killing into his own hands and, like, he put his own flair into it. Because only, like, a year after Gacy got arrested is when Robin started killing. So he, he kept his legacy going? <clears throat> yeah, but, like, what a coincidence, though. Yeah. Like... You replace one killer with four more. Yeah. And I just think it's a coincidence that Robin worked for John. Then John gets arrested. He's all over the media and everything. And then freaking Robin is no, like... That's a good analysis. That's not a uh, right? coincidence. That's got to be like... But really, something like, I've seen people talk about, like, they like to throw this, like, oh my gosh, he was working with John Wayne Gacy, the Well, the duh, that's probably but why nobody, he's fucked up. Nobody really deducts, like, this connection, like, from working with... Kudos, Steph. I'm not giving you're myself the, credit, I'm just saying, Jedi. like, it's an idea. You're the mastermind. I'm the emperor, that's why I wear my hood like this. <laughs> yeah. We have to post a picture of on Instagram of, like, what you look like during a recording. Because then do. you would realize how, like... What's I look the creepy. Word for it, yeah, it's ominous. You have to put it like this. Steph is, and in then a, I have to be like. Steph is in a dark <laughs> corner with a red light shining on her, Sit speaking. My children. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Next. So, uh, <laughs> if anyone else, like I was saying, can rationalize this theory and you agree, please let me know so I'm not. So I don't think I'm crazy and just making shit up, but no, you're not crazy. I think it's totally plausible that this happened. She's crazy. I am crazy, but anyways, I just want to know that other people think like me. But moving on, have you ever wonder how you meet your perfect match? Tinder. Yes, Tinder. Of course, we. Um, Tinder. I would say or that we recommend Tinder. <laughs> if you want to find your, if you want to find your soulmate, download Tinder. <laughs> what, what is the point you're getting at here though but if you you've never wondered like how this guy just randomly met three other people that wanted to kill women oh yeah tinder friends that's bumble bff but oh, that's bumble. another story <laughs> okay i'm going to start talking about um edward a little bit right now so the whole way that all of these people met was because Edward was living at the Rit Van Winkle Hotel. It wasn't a hotel, it was a Rochtel. It was a motel. And he was working at a local donut shop part-time. And Robin, he liked getting a nice juicy fat donut every day from there. So he would stop at the donut shop, blah, blah, blah. And one day, Robin helped edward with his car because edward's car was like not turning on or whatever so then he was like a swell guy don't be yawning <laughs> i'm sorry but it, um, robin was being a swell guy and he decided to help edward with his car it, their friendship like took off from there edward soon started working for robin because robin was an electrical contractor as we said so he started hiring help so he hired Edward. Edward would be like 
babysitting uh, Robin's kids from time to time. He was like staying at his house. And through Edward, I believe, he also meets Andrew. And Andrew is the brother of Thomas. Yeah. So they all get dragged into this. And of course, Edward, Andrew, and Thomas, through this short period of time, they were grateful for Robin for being very nice and like giving them work and like supporting them and whatever so they just felt grateful for robin and they were gonna be doing his bidding batman and robin yep and they were gonna follow his lead and torture and kill women as we're about to get into this and i imagine at this point of time they were spending a lot of time together they were working with robin they had an opportunity to hear robin talk about satanism and maybe he was trying to recruit them and like trying to get them into like that path and everything so it was a perfect storm for all of these guys and they just got on the bandwagon it's like if you're ugly enough you can come kill with us (laughs) some rape too yeah they have they definitely have to be like a level negative 1003 so at this point all four of them are together yeah and they all, all know friends. each other and they're all mm-hmm. friends. And then what? What's their first okay. What's their first outing? So now we're going to be talking a lot, like a little bit more in depth of the Ripper crew. We know that Robin was the main um, avid Satanist. He was the oldest and the most Satan worshipping. I don't like calling him old because he's 30. He was the oldest. We're almost there. Well, you didn't have to remind both of us. <laughs> But he wholeheartedly worshipped the devil. And it wasn't the good kind of Satanist Satanism. <laughs> There's a good kind? There's a good kind of Satanism. No. Not the kind that you sacrifice like children and women to. There's a the practice of Satanism is very wide. And I, again, I don't know much about it, but I know that real Satanism is not what they were doing. Robin obviously kept this hidden from his family. They did not know that he was a Satanist. We will see right now. The men in their confessions said that Robin built a makeshift Satanist temple in his attic. How his wife didn't know is beyond me. Because I know every room in your house, like if you had a Satanist temple hidden in here, I would have found it already. He so you think. Ha- oh my gosh. <laughs> but he had his Satanist temple was lit by candlelight. Of course, he had walls that were painted with six red and black satanic crosses, so the upside down, the upside down crosses in the room, and they had an altar that was covered in red cloth. And you might wonder why they needed a satanic temple in your attic in your own home. Well, they needed it because the Chicago Ripper crew would kidnap women from around Chicago in the Chicago area. We know that it's like a big area, but they would bring them to Robin's attic. They would assault them and they would also use motels to do this. Just like if they couldn't bring them to Robin's attic for that particular night. And lastly, they would also kidnap women straight into a van and they would do their their things in the van that we're also going to be talking about toolbox killer style toolbox killer style and i'm very like proud that, that you know that i'm learning oh, that makes my heart warm but anyways 
And you can be learning too. Just go back on previous episodes. Yeah, that's episode two and three. For the women that did get brought to this satanic temple, Robin would stand over the victims and his three followers, Edward, Andrew, and Thomas, they would rape the woman as freaking Robin would read satanic passages from the satanic Bible. Just setting the mood. Just, I'm very setting the mood right now. Candle lit, crosses on the room wall. When they were done raping and they were also be mutilating these women, Robin would cut and sever the breasts of these women and then he would cut it into pieces and he would hand them to his followers and they would have to eat the it was piece like of a the breast. Satanic like ritual? Yes, it was exactly that. It was a satanic religious sacrament or communion. It's communion. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's just eat this piece of boob that we just cut off this girl. It is the bread. It's it is the wine. Gross. It's said they performed the same ritual eight to seven times. Each time disposing of the mutilated body and each time getting away with it until they weren't. And... How would they kill? We'll see. Okay. I'm excited. Again, dates vary, but either from May 23rd or June 1st, 1981 is the first one. A hotel made at the Moonlit Hotel in Villa Park, a little bit outside of Chicago. She She was reporting this horrible smell that she kept smelling every day. She was like, it smells putrid, like there's something going on. So then finally, she tells the Moonlit's manager, like, hey, something's rancid, like, go check it out. So the Moonlit manager goes and he starts investigating, like, the property around the hotel. And in the back of the hotel, this was like a seedy area to begin with. A lot of people dumped trash and stuff, so maybe he thought it was like something just was rotting, like a dead animal or whatever. So then he goes in the back and then he's like looking in the bushes and then he sees a corpse of a woman covered in maggots still like actively eating it and everything. And he immediately runs inside and he calls the cops. Three detectives, they arrive in the area and they start checking in and they see the corpse and they actually in the articles that I was reading, they didn't think it was like a big shocker because of the area. It was just like a seedy area. Kind of like the motel over there by the Walmart. Yeah. Would you be surprised if they ever found a, like a dead body there? No, not at all. <laughs> and uh, so the detectives, when they arrived and they saw the victim and the state of decomposition that she was in, they thought that she had been there for a long time. You know, they could like see straight into the bone and everything they could tell that the woman was clearly murdered she was still bound with handcuffs when she was left there and she also had a cloth in her mouth that was used as a gag and she was still wearing like the same sweater and her panties were down like they were pulled down so obviously she was also assaulted (laughs) they noticed that in her socks she had a small like wad of bills still stuck in there so they didn't think it was a robbery because the money wouldn't have been there and now they're trying to identify her and trying to set a timeline of when everything could have happened but with 
the state that the body was in it would have been it, it would be difficult because this is the 80s you don't have the same technologies to like determine like time of death and everything the investigators are also trying to figure out where exactly she was killed because they could tell that this was a secondary dumping site this is not where she was murdered so somebody killed her somewhere else and then they dumped her here uh, but it was um so they thought that whoever had killed her was able to tolerate a decomposing body long enough and then to where it got to the point that they couldn't deal with it anymore and then that's when they think this body was dumped. They secured the crime scene and they kept looking for evidence and then they took her body to the deputy coroner, Pete Sigmund, so that he could attempt and determine the cause of death as well as take any remaining fingerprints from if she had like skin on her fingerprints remaining on her flesh teeth impressions and try to see if they could find any dental records a search of missing reports turned up no leads and so detectives called the chicago police department who told them that the practice of rolling money inside of the socks probably indicated that the victim had been a sex worker i was thinking that yeah why else would you have money in your socks exactly and i also want to know if you read up on this case that they don't call them sex workers and it like like offended me a little bit reading like prostitutes prostitutes that's how it's written in the law prostitution you know really yeah if you get arrested it's called prostitution not sex work well it is sex work because it's not it might be. fun for anybody but anyways the fact that she was a sex worker would make her even harder to identify because a lot of these women are not really like they're like off the books they're off the books nobody's looking for them and it's the 80s it's the 80s maybe people take off and they like they're on a drug addiction or whatever like it's gonna be impossible to finding her but actually her fingerprints and dental records did help in less than two weeks they had an id she was 26 year old linda sutton and she was a mother of two so they were able to get fingerprints off her, even though she was and, like and, molten body. And, and, the, the de- and the dental records, too. Yeah. So she was going to the dentist, keeping her teeth well, clean, that's because fortunate. that's important. Get your teeth cleaned. That's very just important. Just in case someone murders you. I have to go back in July, and I just went right now in March. <sighs> Fortunately, no problems. They just want to stay on top of it. They're but like, I know you uh, don't like the dentist. And I'm like, I just haven't checked my teeth in a year. Like, well, it was Corona. On? A lot of people didn't make it to the <laughs> dentist. Who wants somebody in your mouth during exactly. Corona? So I'm last like, year, I think everyone gets a pass on 2020. But if you haven't thought about getting your teeth cleaned, okay, let's go. I know. I just have like chihuahua slash poodle teeth. So my teeth are like horrible. You know what's nice? The dentist might be vaccinated too. Maybe you can find my out dentist in were, your area. Everyone yeah. at the dentist office were, were vaccinated. My dentist had a whole like hazmat suit on. They weren't. I was like, this is crazy, but alright. <laughs> my dentist is more bougie. But anyways, uh, Linda's kids lived with her mom. But the coroner concluded that despite everyone's beliefs, she had been dead for a while. So did Linda's kids know how long that she was gone for and let not I notice? I honestly don't know how old they were. Maybe okay. they were little or whatever and but she is a sex worker so maybe she, she would be a gone for worker. a period of time mm-hmm. anyway yeah she probably right. like if you really want to like dive in into that life she probably was gone for months it sounds like a prime target for a group of guys who doesn't want to get caught but does want to rape and kill yeah and a lot of cases that we will cover sex workers are targeted ex- specifically for this reason 
it's easier. Yeah, it's easy to take someone that's already not someone that is gonna be searched for, or no one's gonna care that yeah. she's gone. You know, yeah. if you kidnap like a high school girl from or like, like a public official, a or prominent something. A, a prominent area, like yeah. it's gonna be like all big over news. the news in like a a night. Exactly. Yeah. So, despite the advanced state of decomposition, the state coroner determined that she had only been dead for three days. So why was she so decomposed? Exactly. So the remains advanced rate of decomposition were due to two large wounds to her chest where her breast had been removed, which had allowed for an invasion of insects that allowed to like the body to get decomposed so Penetrate fast. Penetrate her body. Like critters, rats, whatever, like getting into her chest wounds and like Jesus. it's just like really yeah, allowed it and it's also summer the sun so it's hot humidity like what state are they in again illinois illinois chicago mm-hmm. that was a dumb question yes someone's not paying attention but anyways I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying but yes and sadly she is not the last one to be found later a 35 year old cocktail waitress and her name is not mentioned so i don't know if that's like a privacy issue like her family sucks to suck doesn't Maybe her family didn't want her name to be out there, but oh. she was abducted from her car on uh, February 12th, 1982. So they find her car on the side of the road and the gauge in her car showed that she ran out of gas. So maybe she got stranded. She was outside of her car. No cell phones. This this sounds like the very... E- Sorry, go ahead. I don't even know if pagers existed. Oh, that's a good question. Like if you could page somebody in yeah. 82. This was 1982? Yeah. I wonder if, um, what was I going to say? This sounds like the very beginning of any forensic file case. This woman was driving down this desolate road at night. Yeah. It was dark. She ran out of gas. I saw this episode on forensic files of, it was a cop. Yes. We saw this last night. Yes. It was a cop and he stopped this girl and this girl was actually fighting back. So then he decided to punch her with the flashlight. She fell on the ground. He strangled her and then he put her on the roof of his car. Yeah to like take her off the highway he didn't want her her. he didn't want to put her in the car because he was like no the fibers and the blood and this and And that she still left a single fiber that that was super unique to her pants on the hood of the car and that's how they were able to like get him guy was fucked yep all from like an aggression problem he he hit her with the flashlight and Mm -hmm. didn't mean to knock her out Mm-hmm. And then once he realized he knocked her out, he he knew he was in too deep, so yeah, he just would, strangled she her. She would be able to identify him, exactly. like, yeah, this dude fucking attacked oh, me. Forensic Files just hits. I've been watching that show since I was like seven. But you were talking <laughs> about... I was talking about the 35-year-old wait- cocktail waitress that... That has no name. She has no name. Her car is found on the side of the road. Yep. She has empty gas tank. Yep. You could tell that uh, on the front seat, her keys were still in the ignition. And the search turned up her nude body on a embankment near the road. Okay. She had been raped, tortured, and mutilated. And the press was asked not to report that her breasts were amputated because the police wanted to keep that detail secret for investigation purposes should be the chicago rip your nipple off crew the chicago tear your breast off nipple crew (laughs) i think that's a better name chicago tear your breast off nipple disrespect right now that we're doing but disrespect i mean we're not the ones who murdered women we're just telling the story we are 
A few days later, the body of an Hispanic woman, whose also name is not mentioned, was wearing an engagement ring when she was discovered. So she's assumed not to be a sex worker because of this. She had also been raped and strangled and her breasts were not removed in this case, but it was it's strongly suspected that it was the work of these people because they were the ones being active in yeah, the area. Busy. Her breasts were severely bit, so they bit the shit out of her breasts. Her killer had also masturbated over her body. So there's semen. There's semen on her body. DNA evidence. Well, it's the 80s, so... Fuck. Yeah. God damn. A criminal profile was created for this killer, and the criminal profiler said that the attacker was probably a local man, correct, who probably loved animals. I don't know if Robin Gett had a dog or anything. And had a family, which is also correct. He also had a dark side that no one knew, turning into a cruel psychopathic murderer at night, which was also correct. Aside that, like, I I don't know. Like, I, it seems like this criminal profile was good. And this is, um, I don't know if it was exactly the 80s or the late 70s when criminal profiling became a thing. But it was a new practice at this time. Like sketch artists for the, for like, um... Not sketch artists, like a psychologist coming in and like hearing the details of the case and they're like oh i think this guy is like a 24 year old white male from blah blah blah. i think he has a bad life that that type of thing but that's what the criminal profiler said that he probably had a family he loved animals and he just like disappeared into the night and he kept this a secret in may 15th 21-year-old Lorraine Borowski was abducted outside her Elmhurst real estate office where she was reporting for work in the morning. Her boss came in like later in the morning and he found it odd uh, that Lorraine hadn't made it in yet. The office was still locked. They found it interesting that the office is locked. Like, where's Lorraine? She's very dependable. She's always here. Then the boss made it into the parking lot. He was looking around and then he noticed that there was a pair of women's shoes like in the parking lot, her keys and makeup were on the ground and so the boss called the police and they came and started investigating the crime scene they didn't know that she was actually taken to a motel repeatedly gang raped and then they used that same thin wire that they had been using and actually i don't think i've been mentioning i i mentioned this but they used the thin piano wire to wrap around the breasts and that's how they were amputating them no shit yeah. I was assuming it was a knife this whole time. No, they were using a wire to oh, like Jesus. slowly cut it off. Asphyxiate it off. Yeah. I don't think that's the right word. Asphyxiation is like Well, yeah, choking. I guess you're cutting like the circulation Cutting, on so, it, yeah. But I can't imagine the pain Fuck. from that. <laughs> Finally, one of her attackers killed her with an axe because that's the other thing's not painful enough. Lorraine's remains were discovered on October 10th of 82 at a dump site which was in the same general area as the cemetery known as Clarendon Hills where Linda Sutton had been dumped near the same like area as that other motel that the other girl was where found. Where all the trash was. Mm-hmm. And right now the unknown attacker because right now there's no indication that there's more than one so the police are only looking for one guy. They don't know that there's a whole group of people doing this. And they did not wait long for the next assault. They did not have any cool-off period whatsoever that we saw. Two weeks after Lorraine had been abducted and killed, they went after Shui Mack and she was abducted on May 29th. She was returning home from her family's restaurant in Streamwood. She had been uh, riding in her brother's car. So she was getting a ride back from her brother. They were having a fight 
in the car and the brother was like he stopped and he's like get out of the car and walk home he knew that there were some other relatives that were driving on the same like street close by and he thought that they were gonna stop and like give Shiyu a ride back home but sadly that was the last time that he ever saw her i'm sure he feels like a dick yeah she was abducted and her body was discovered four months later at the end of august buried at a construction site and it too had been similarly mutilated with the wire and the breast area so it's okay. easy to connect all of these cases yeah it's this, it's very specific it's very specific there's in the eyes of the cops, there's one guy doing this out there. The police now had a number of similar murders with the same details. And they obviously, like we've been saying, they linked them. Right. All the victims were all young women. They all had lost a breast or two in the same brutal manner that it was obviously cut off with a wire. They were having a difficult time finding any leads. But then another victim turned up. A brave girl by the name of Angela York survived an attack in June. She was able to report the two men that were using a red rape van that we talked about the toolbox killers. It was red this time instead of whatever fucking color the other one was. And she said that she was held inside. They had her in handcuffs. They were uh, raping her and they were torturing her. They had forced her to use a large knife to cut her own breast. So they were telling her, if you don't cut your own breast off, we are going to kill you. So in the act of desperation, she started cutting at her own breast to get it off. And then that turned Robin on like crazy. So then he decided to masturbate into her wound. So he was masturbating into the slash that she cut in on into her breast. Fucking disgusting. It is fucking disgusting. Afterwards, he put duct tape on it and he threw her off the van and he dumped her because he thought that she was dead. Luckily for Angela, she wasn't. And she went to the cops and she was telling them about this van and these dudes and everything. And the cops, even though they were searching for this van and everything, they came, they came empty-handed and they couldn't find them. So the killing continued. In August of the same year, 18-year-old Sandra Delaware, who was also a sex worker, was found dumped along the side of the Chicago River just six hours after she was murdered. So she was found pretty quick. Her wrists were bound together with a shoelace and her left breast had also been amputated with the same fashion with the wire and her bra was knotted around her throat. After they were done with poor Sandra, two weeks, less than two weeks later, they went after Carol Pappas, 42. Carol she, Baskin? Not Carol Baskin. Oh, sorry. That's so 2020. Don't me even be talking about I'm living in the past. But Carol Pappas, or Pappas, P-A-P-P-A-S, 42, she turned up missing and did so Rose Beck Davis, 30, so two women. She was a marketing executive. Rose was found stabbed, raped, and strangled on September 8th of 1982 behind a stairway of a North Lakeshore apartment building. A black sock was tied around her neck and her clothing was in disarray. Her face was crushed and blood pooled beneath her. It turned out later that she had been beaten with a hatchet. Deep cuts were evident on her breasts. Again, whether they were making her stab her own breasts or they were trying to cut them off or whatever. And her abdomen was full of small puncture wounds. What happened to Carol Pappas is not really like determined, but like both of them were went missing and I assume that both of them were found similar injuries. By October 6, 20-year-old Beverly Washington, also a sex worker, was grabbed, mutilated. Her left breast was amputated and her right breast was severely slashed. She was then raped and 
dumped on the railroad outside of Chicago. Her abductors had left her there for dead because they thought she was dead after, you know, all the blood loss and everything. And she was also able to give police a description of the crew. And this is the case that ultimately got them caught. This is the first time that the police are informed that there's more than one guy doing all these things? Yes. Nice. Good job on her. Yes, and like luckily she survived, but like now like you don't have like breasts and everything like Well you're alive. You're alive, but and her being alive probably saved other people's lives, but I don't want to jump ahead because I don't know yet. On that same night, seemingly another random act of violence occurred. Twenty eight year old Raphael Torado was fatally shot and another guy that was his friend was wounded and they were just standing around on a phone booth. So these people were shot. Yeah, but it's connected because it was these guys. <laughs> okay, but they didn't think it was them at first. It wasn't. Why would you think it was but them? But this is important. You'll see a little okay. in just a little bit. But back to um, Beverly. She wasn't able to speak because she was severely she was like in shock. She was severely beaten and everything. Oh. So she was only able to like blink and like, like write on a pad. Jesus I don't Christ! Think so. I don't know. But so she was telling the detectives that her attackers were white. One of them had a mustache and greasy brown hair. Gross. But most significantly, she told him that they were driving a red rape van. Not in her words, my words. A red van. With tinted windows and a roach clip with a blue white feather dangling from the rear view mirror. In October 20th, police spotted the van. They're like, oh shit, a red van. So... <laughs> they stopped the van and behind the wheel is jittery 21 year old Edward Spritzer who said that the van belonged to his boss freaking Robin Gett. He said that the van belonged to his boss. Yes and uh, Edward is about to spill a whole lot of tea about everything oh, that God. happened. So he was being a snitch? So there's a lot of snitch and tail and like everything. Oh shit. Yes. He's young. He's 21. He's scared. He's scared. <laughs> and he's murdering. So the first thing that happens is Be Beverly picks out Robin out of a lineup because they they get Edward. They're like, who is this van? It's registered to Robin. They pick up Robin. They take him in. They bring in Beverly. She still can't talk or anything, but she's like, it's, it's that guy right there. She's fucking sure. Yeah, she's absolutely sure that it's Robin. She picks him up out of a lineup. And she was when she went there, she was still hooked up to IVs and everything. So it all happened like super fast. During questioning, Robin didn't reveal much, but Edward did. He was the one that like broke down and he was telling them everything. As Edward was revealing everything, it was clear that he was deathly afraid of Robin. Edwards introduced a 78-page statement. So everything that he had to say was 78 pages long. Oh my god, so they have everything at this point. Yeah. They got it all. He told about how he and Robin, his boss, had been driving around looking for ways to amuse themselves that night. And in the hours before Beverly's assault, their first stop was to shoot that guy that I told you about and his friend. At the phone friend. booth. At yeah. the phone booth. So they were like, oh, they immediately connected them to that case. And so that case is now solved. It was Robin and Edward doing that. Have you ever seen the movie Phone Booth? No. I hated it. I have a friend who thought it was not bad. I thought it was bad. There's a movie about a, phone a guy who's in a phone booth and... He's got a gun on him. There's a sniper like pointed at him. He's like, if you leave the phone booth, I'm going to shoot you. But the whole movie ends up with this guy in a phone booth. Oh. I, th I thought it was terrible. That sounds lame. I've never seen that movie. Yeah, it's old. 
Who's the, like the main actor? Do you know? I'll, I'll get back to you. Continue. Okay. Edward said that Robin then directed him to slow down to pick up a sex worker now because they wanted to do their thing. And we know now that the sex worker was Beverly. Robin had sex with her and then he took her into an alley and used a knife and the piano wire to remove her left breast. He placed the freaking breast on the floor of the van. So he pro- he he left her there and he just brought the breast back and just like plopped it into the van. Edward was so upset that he spilled out all of these gory details because he claimed that he did not like blood. He was like, I was so sick. He didn't like that they were doing any of this because blood made him queasy. But he was still masturbating into the wounds and everything. So he, he liked to have sex and everything, but he didn't like the killing part and the blood part. Yeah. And the titty part. And the titty part. He then added that during these violent incidents when Robin um, amputated the breasts Robin did have sex with the breast immediately afterwards because I guess he wanted it fresh he also described how Robin had shot a black woman in the head chained her up and used the bowling balls to weigh her down in the water he believed that she will never be found because she hasn't she still hasn't come up Edward also stated that he had watched Robin batter a woman with a hammer and the sight of that made him vomit. Definitely. Have but you ever seen that? Sorry to cut you off. What? You ever see the video of the guy beating the other guy to death with a hammer? No. Oh, it's brutal. Where did you see that? Facebook? Yeah. No, it was maybe when I was like 15. So like 10, Back when 12 YouTube years wasn't ago. restricted? Yeah. I don't even know what website I saw this on. That's was like, it like dark two web guy- stuff. I you think could- it's called like two guys one hammer or something like that oh my god you know when it was like two girls one cup yeah it was like after that but it was like a snuff video oh i know that on the dark web because i watch videos on the dark web and i still haven't gone there but there's a, a, a website called the dark the red room and um i don't know where it takes place obviously nobody knows but you could go into the red room and i think it's free and they have different cameras and in all the different like videos that you could see it's like people getting murdered in like different ways don't go on the dark web unless you want the government to find out that you were on the dark web but they really don't know you can use tor but anyways don't (laughs) don't listen to her (laughs) but somehow as i was stating freaking edward is vomiting because he's seeing robin beating this woman with a hammer but edward still managed somehow to remove the breasts of this woman himself with a piano wire. What made him feel better was that he thought she was already dead. So he was like, she's dead already, like, doesn't matter. But he didn't care to check to make sure that she was actually dead. He said that Robin had forced him to have sex with the woman's open wounds as well as Robin also did. So they were all having sex with the wounds on the breasts. Just fucking disgusting. If you like really sit there and like think about that happening, it's repulsive and like it messes you up are there any photos of like these women i have having uh, been mutilated? obviously not their mutilated bodies but i have photos of them no i'm talking about the mutilated bodies no like the forensics no 
Well, it's just as well. Boy, just imagine a breast cut off. I just know. a lot of fat in there. I mean, I'm just picturing, like, them dumped in the desert. Like, if they were, like, crime scene photos and stuff like that. Well, they're well, in the woods because they're in Illinois. But, yeah, I get you. There's no crime scene Why do photos. I keep putting them in the desert? You know what it is? I think every episode before this has either been in Texas or California where there's a desert. And then in, you mentioned, like, it was yeah. warmer temperature. So, I'm just, I keep going no, to, like, we're in sandy the Midwest. climate. <laughs> yeah, very much not the desert. So, by the time that Edward was finished talking, he had offered details for seven outright murders and one aggravated battery. The interrogators were shocked by the nature of these cruel acts because, like, who the hell is having, like, sex with, like, open wounds on a woman's chest? And so, right now, they think, the investigators, that they have some leverage that they can go to Robin to and be like, Hey, we know all of these details, that you're doing this to women, blah, blah, blah. Edward spilled beans. And uh, Robin was very calm and collected, and he didn't care. At the time that they were going to interrogate Robin, the investigators collected photographs of the known victims, and they presented them to Robin. He looked at them without much interest, and he denied knowing any of them, of course. And you know when we see uh first 48 or anything like that like all of these guys are like super convincing and it scares me how well men lie when they're caught they're like oh no i've never been there i've never seen her i've never seen him not just men mainly men but no you see them and then there's footage of them like being there and talking to this person and it just makes me anyone can be a good liar you know, primarily men are serial I've, killers. So. I've been primarily lied to by women. <laughs> okay, but men are primarily serial killers. Is that true? Yes. Hmm. Anyway, so Ed, uh, Robin is pretending that he doesn't know any of these women, and the detectives are now frustrated because they know that he was involved since Edward was spilling the beans on everything that happened and they were coming to a dead end here the detectives made a mistake because they decided to get edward to like walk in front of the room where robin was i guess there's like a little window or whatever and they thought like by showing robin that edward is there that it would trigger something in robin to speak up but when edward was walking and he saw robin edward was super scared of robin so then he started to recant everything that he was saying so he was saying like oh yeah actually i don't think it was robin who was doing this <sighs> so his accounts became so chaotic that his interrogators did not know what to believe anymore edward was now saying that another man his girlfriend's brother andrew cocorales was the killer but he did not offer many details about andrew Robin now, they were, the interrogators were asking Robin about Andrew and Robin was like, oh yeah, I knew Andrew. So they bring Andrew in. Now, Robin and Edward are both blaming Andrew. Like somehow they just like teamed up and like started blaming Andrew. So they bring Andrew in. And before I start talking about what Andrew was saying, Robin maintained his innocence in all of this. So very Charlie Manson vibes. He was like, I did not do any of this. Right. So when they bring him in and the police told them that Edward had already spilled all of the tea and everything, Andrew's response was, oh, to all 18 of them? <laughs> and then, so that's what he told the cops. So the cops were like, as far as we know, it's only been eight. And it wasn't long before Andrew was also confessing. Andrew was talking about how they kidnapped women off the streets 
they all raped them. They stabbed them with knives, with razors, with tin can lids. With lids from cans. I can't. And can openers. They amputated one or both breasts with a piano wire, as we have already known, and they all masturbated onto them or had sex with the wounds. He admitted to the murders of Rosebeck Davis and Lorraine Borowski and inadvertently confessed that he had also been involved in the deaths of uh, eight other women. This is just a nasty case. Yeah. He had described the assault of Sandra Delaware. He said that he shoved a rock into her mouth to keep from from screaming. He forced a wine bottle into her, and we can assume where, that made her bleed badly. And then when they were done, they stabbed her with a knife and her autopsy confirmed these details. Along with the interrogations, detectives were also asked um, acquaintances of the suspects about their characters and their personal habits. It soon became clear that Robin had a breast fetish, if we didn't already know. He would ask girls that he knew if he would, if he could please stab them just a little bit, like with a knife or something. He allegedly forced his wife, like I said, much more. He cut off her nipple and all of that. And she never turned him in, which if she would have, maybe none of this bullshit would have happened. But when detectives began questioning one of the Cocorellas brothers more... Uh, and I quote, they were saying that this Cocorellis brother, which is Thomas, was more of a slow-witted, like, the, from the two brothers. And they were hoping to get more information from him. And they were in for another rude surprise because at this point, they don't know everything. So now they go and talk to Thomas. They called him and he had super inconsistent, like, answers over the phone. So then they're like, you need to come downtown and like talk to us. So then Thomas like has no other option and he goes in. And he started also revealing like his involvement in the Ripper crew. Because at this point, Thomas' name hasn't been brought up. So right now they just think it's Robin, Andrew, and Edward. Gotcha. So right now when they're interviewing Thomas, this is when they find out that there's a whole satanic chapel in Robin's attic. Hello. <laughs> the fuck? And then this is where they learn the whole satanic aspect of this case because right now they just think that these are sickos like getting women raping them mutilating them and whatever they don't know it's for a satanic ritual and then they say a piece of info uh that the cops didn't know yet is that thomas was explaining to them that once they would sever one or both breasts of a woman with the wire that's a constant thing between all of them they were all as we know they would masturbate into it or to the open wound they would take now communion by eating the breast, which is a new detail to the cops. And after they would eat the breast, whatever was remaining, they would put the breast into like a box, a trophy box. And Thomas said that at some point he remembers seeing like at least 15 breasts in that box. They're not rotting. <laughs> it's no flesh. It's disgusting. But right now, they th- they're like 15 breasts, but we can only pinpoint 7 to 8 murders. These people are fucked up. So maybe like the other women, sex workers or whatever, they like got away with, like they survived with an amputated breast. Or maybe they just were dead and they never were found. Never found. So now all of his followers, Robin's followers, have turned on him and they are now claiming that Robin had supernatural powers. <laughs> Okay, which is fucking stupid, but this is the reason why they were doing what Robin wanted. 
It is stupid. That he had some strong influence over them. I wonder why. I don't know. I wish... I wish we knew... I wish one of them said, like... I, I felt powerless to him because... Maybe he was able to, like, levitate breasts, like, off of that box. Maybe he was... Maybe he was Satan. Maybe he was Satan. You Who can't knows? rule it out. He probably was, because, like, that kind of evil is insane. But now we are going to begin wrapping it up, guys. Wrap it up, B. Girls, gals, whatever. Chappelle I show? I shouldn't even say that. Did anybody watch the Chappelle show? The show's crazy. It's an amazing show. <laughs> If you didn't watch it, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. But despite the confessions of Edward and the Cocorellis brothers, as well as Beverly's eyewitness testimony against Robin, they were unable to charge Robin for murder. They had no proof that he was the one killing the women. So instead... They had proof that he was there? But he was not the one killing the women. Yeah, but you can be an accessory to murder. You, like, it was, it's like if I was... He was were, the one reading the satanic passages as the other guys were mutilating and raping the women yeah, but you're still there it's like if i was driving and you were in the passenger yeah. seat and i shot someone and then you didn't tell anyone about it you'd get in trouble for not telling anyone it's also kind of like the charlie manson case like he didn't physically kill anybody but his followers did with his word fucking trump leading Fuck people trump. on the government it's trump's fault it's trump's fault this is a moderately uh liberal podcast so not don't not on this side well, we we do not support why Trump, though. Why are you though. putting our... Why are you saying that we're, we're liberal saying, and this and that? Because we're saying, like, fuck Trump, and I'm sure there's people that, like, oh, love yeah. Trump that listen to no, us. No, okay, well, let me, let me be clear. Fuck Trump, but also fuck Biden. Does that make it any better? I guess. And I, I feel like we could be open in our beliefs. Like, if there are our beliefs, no, that's we fine. all have No, that's fine, but I have, have different beliefs. Okay, so I just have a little bit different beliefs than you. That's all we I do. want to we make clear. We do. We have varying opinions and beliefs or yeah, whatever slightly but we varying. have common ground we're not too. on different yeah we're not on completely different ends yeah. but anyways fuck trump but anyway yeah, I, I agree i agree robin was sentenced to 120 years for attempted murder and rape even though he he didn't murder anyone he still got 120 years is biden senile like can he even leave can, biden can alone, biden guys. even fuck anymore <laughs> i'm trying to channel that leave britney alone thing leave britney alone leave biden alone biden He's can't even speak it's sad. I'm, I... I, uh, that's our president. Trump was our president. He couldn't speak either. No, but I mean, like, what is wrong with America? We're voting these people in. Have you seen the TikToks of uh, this guy turning Trump into a woman? I hate the government. I hate the government, too. Wait, Trump... Oh, no, I didn't... I don't... I'm they're, not on TikTok. No, they're freaking funny. You know? I would think they would made it into Instagram. It's this guy that he gets different pictures of Trump like doing things he turns him into like a woman and like he looks like a total karen with longer hair does he look good no <laughs> but anyways we're moving on <clears throat> yes sorry robin was sentenced to 120 years oh good for attempted murder and rape and he will be eligible for parole next year Ooh, 2022 mm -hmm. wow how old is he? So if he was... He was If he was like 30, 30 then. in 1983 yeah, or 4. Ding, oh my god. So... Ding, ding. Well, it's been 40 years since the 80s, which is crazy. Because we listen to 80s music like it was yesterday. Ugh, I love it. And 90s music. Like it was... Like we were just born. 
Yeah. David Bowie is what's up. Yeah. <laughs> so 40 years on 30. He'll be, he's in his 70s mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Eligible p- for parole next year. Mm-hmm. Fucking asshole. I, why is he even eligible if he's if he's got 18 murder? Like, he should be dead. That's what well, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So Chicago doesn't have uh, the death penalty. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about that. But um, I should say I was reading also about Robin that his family, especially his wife, were 100% behind him. They believe he's innocent because up until this day, he is still claiming that he's innocent. He didn't kill anyone, which might be true. He didn't kill anyone, but he was like 100% a fully participant in all of these crimes. They all were. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm surprised that one that one guy got off. Yeah. And they all can't wait for his parole day. And they're going to welcome him with open arms. Which is, I think, the greatest injustice of the whole world. That they were able to take all of these women's lives. And he gets, even though he spent most of his life in prison, he still gets to be free next year. I don't know if I can say this on air, but, like, someone should kill him. Somebody should kill Hopefully nature will, like, do its thing and, like, take him out. As we said at the beginning of the episode, everyone will die. One way or another. Oh, you said that to me earlier. I don't think you said it in the episode. Well, I think about that every day. Yeah. (laughs) So finally, finally, some justice was served. But this happened to be to Andrew Cocorales. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Mm. And that was carried out in March of 1999. Because everyone ganged up on Andrew for being the worst Mm -hmm. when it was not. It was Rob. It It was Robin. It was all of them. It was right. all of all of them should have been sentenced to lethal injection as soon as possible. Yeah. Kill them all. But anyways. I'll agree with you. Yes. Thank you. Am I turning you more towards the lethal injection? No, route? I'm just skeptical. I'm, I don't want to kill somebody unless like they definitely did it. Okay. You know, so when like, we're talking about the 60s through the 80s right. or even before. Yeah. I give. A certain amount of benefit, but when you to, know doubt. it's them, no, I agree. And then, and you then, should we, kill and then them. when you have proof that they killed almost twenty people, I agree. They shouldn't be paid for for the rest of their life, exactly. meals and housing. Yeah. Even though it's in a shitty jail, I'm sure. Like fuck that. No, I agree with you. Thank you. Okay. But I'm I'm a better. skeptic at heart, and I if someone didn't I, kill someone, they shouldn't be killed. And I respect That's all that I feel. because it's sad, but it's rare when there's an innocent person on death row. It does happen. It is rare now, but yeah. I don't know. I will. I don't know about the 80s and before. You I'm know? willing to take the risk, but anyway. <laughs> um, in this case, you're absolutely right. <laughs> fuck all these guys. Yeah. No question. His death was uh, carried out in March of 1999. Sadly, Andrew Cocorales was the last person to be executed in Illinois before George H. Ryan commuted all death sentences. Goodbye. He was the last one. Bye-bye. So the other brother, Thomas Cocorales, life sentence uh, was... uh, His death sentence, sorry, was commuted as well. So this is why I think... The death penalty should be reinstated, in my opinion, because pieces of human garbage like this, don't, they don't deserve to be on this earth. <laughs> they don't. But anyways, his death sentence was commuted and it turned into a life sentence. Anyways, this original conviction was overturned due to a legal error. Hmm. So something happened oh, in the case. Oh, the fucking lawyer fucked it up, huh? Yes. He later pleaded guilty to Lorraine's murder, and he was resentenced to only 70 years in prison. Oh. 
guidelines in Illinois at the time of his sentencing rewarded inmates even for violent felons for good behavior. Right, that still happens everywhere. Yep. So this led his 70 years to be cut in half. His release date was moved to September 30th, 2017. It was delayed because he couldn't find a place to live because of his parole conditions. He was probably like a sexual like predator or whatever. So he was discharged in 2009 after spending 58 years in prison and had to be registered as a sex offender, which would be public information. So he was released in 2017 and he had to stay in jail for another two years till he could find another place to live. So as you know, I took criminal justice in college and in a criminology course, mm -hmm. they were describing that with good behavior, you can be released on parole up to two thirds of your actual sentence. So if you were sentenced for 10 years for something, if on good behavior, two thirds of 10 is six and a half years. Mm -hmm. So you could be out three years early on good yeah. behavior. Maybe so that's that how my dad did it. Oh my God. <laughs> so he was sweeping floors. I don't know. He was a cook in the prison. He oh. was always the cook in prison. Yeah, he cooked really good. But he was a piece of shit. So, okay, moving on. I love you stuff. <laughs> uh, now we're going to be talking about Edward. And also his sentence was commuted. Edward Scissorhands. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> oh, it's been a long pod. Yeah. His, his sentence was commuted as well. And he is currently serving life in prison without parole. Good. Wasting taxpayers money. Right. But At that's in Illinois, so it's not our issue. This is in there. And um, just for a small summary, Robin is getting released on parole next year 2022 so they're gonna be reunited andrew is the only one that died through lethal injection in 1999 and then they stopped doing that so then his brother thomas got released on parole edward is still rotting in jail till this day and i wanted to end this case with a very beautiful and inspiring quote from robin get about big-breasted women and his obsession with breasts <laughs> Okay, Fat Bottom Girls, Queen, great song. Aww. Let's let's hear this song Apple about big. Bottom jeans. Let's hear this poem okay. from about big-breasted. He said, women. and I quote. Okay. A little backstory. He was getting interviewed in jail, and they were asking him what was his obsession with breasts. Yes, thank okay. you. What's up? He said, and I quote. Well, in answer to your question on obsession with breasts, it is a thing with my entire family. Going back, as I'm told, to my great-grandfather. Each of us men have married large-breasted women. My ex-wife is a 39D. And yes, she was very satisfying to me. As you question about having sex with a breast, I have no real obsession with breasts in that form. Only a very sick person would ever think that. End quote. Yeah. In denial. <laughs> <laughs> this guy uh, fucking crazy. There's got to be a piece of his brain not firing, you know? Absolutely. Ugh. And that's how we will end the Chicago Ripper crew. Thank you for listening to this episode. What did you think about this real quick, you? Oh, I, th I thought it was a lot. There was a lot of um, obsession with physical aspects of a female's body. The Yeah, I don't know how you not can fucking... Breast, I don't know how you wound. can stick your dick in a female's <laughs> breast wound. And then say, oh, I don't like blood. Well, what the fuck? Take your dick out of the wound and back up. <laughs>
You fucking weirdo. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. Exactly. This kind of monster is not welcomed in our club. No, but we want more monsters in our club. So if you could share an episode. Yeah, share let it us with know your you shared it. <laughs> best friend weirdo that also likes true crime or anybody. Yeah. Because I feel like word of mouth is what works best. That's how I recommend it. It's podcasts. more genuine, you know? Yeah. And um, anyways, if you want to support us, you can follow us at Instagram Monsters True Crime. Yeah. If you want to leave us a review, you can do that at Podchaser or at Apple Podcasts. Whatever streaming platform you're listening on, we're on every other one yeah. also. So if your friend doesn't have yours, we're on everything. Yeah. No Just excuse. find us on our link tree on Instagram. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Come you again. for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.